Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. Uh, you know, while we, you know, why we, while we may be the best, uh, there is, you know, always room for improvement and uh to increase our lead so to speak i guess on uh the competition what, what do you mean lead aren't we the only anime podcast uh there, there might be some others out there i don't know whatever there are a couple pretenders to the throne but yeah uh, but uh yeah so i you know I, before we get too much into anything i wanted to just mention uh we've got a couple changes we're trying out this season uh i, I made a post on the blog uh, about a week and a half ago or so with details. But, you know, as far as the podcast is concerned, you know, we're going to try some new things. We're going to maybe be a little more uh, flexible uh, and we're going to, I guess, focus a bit more on the kind of week to week anime that's airing more so than some of the kind of random topic stuff we've done. Um, And generally try to talk about, talk more about less topics so we're going to kind of rotate some shows in and out uh depending on you know what we're watching uh who's going to be on the show again like i said we're going to kind of be flexible with that um and yeah just kind of give us an opportunity to uh, go a little more in depth with some of our thoughts rather than trying to you know rush through everything you know as everyone is well aware we have not hit our our 90 minute target for our episodes and i don't even know <laughs> i don't even know the last time yeah we we hit that and we still might not but uh you know we'll see how it goes uh and you know as always everybody out there listening please let us know what you think give us your feedback we appreciate it and you know we'll keep trying to tweak things as we go along so smash that like button yes <laughs> like comments yeah, we, we'll save all that for the uh the, the end of the show save it for the yes, end but uh yeah, but essentially you know we are we are creating a quicker leaner healthier podcast for the growing needs of the new millennial generation <laughs> oh sure yes the the new mill- well, if we were doing that we would we would be making a models for our virtual youtubing careers and uh Aren't millennials kind of like old news at this point? Because you guys are all hitting like your thirties. But I try not to think about it. So yeah. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's. uh, Is demographic. (laughs) Let's uh, because because I'm too old. I'm so old that I don't care anymore. But uh, I'm just saying. Um, The (laughs) so uh, let's just introduce everybody to kick off the show. I'm Jell. We have uh, assembled Team Glorio USA again this week, so we've got Iro. Hi, it's been a while since I've been on this one. Yes, Iro, you've you've returned finally. We'll have we'll finally have good transitions again. Um, <laughs> Putting pressure G. on me. We have G. Oh yes, yo yo. And uh, we have Marlin. What's up? All right, so yeah, so like I said, we're going to kind of talk about some of the currently airing kind of episode to episode anime stuff going on. And uh, before we do that, though, there is one other thing I wanted to mention. You know, normally we don't talk about news on the podcast, but I felt like this was a pretty significant uh, thing that happened. There's kind of a shift in the balance of power for the anime streaming services. 
Um, Mm -hmm. Basically, in a nutshell, Funimation backed out of their deal with Crunchyroll. And uh, shortly thereafter, in a, I guess, somewhat savvy move, Crunchyroll announced that they're partnering with High Dive uh, through the service VRV. Which uh, High Dive? Did somebody say High Dive? Yes. You can watch <laughs> Legend of the Galactic Heroes on High Dive. Yes. Tune in next time. Next time. And we'll see you all amongst the Not... sea of star. Wait, wait. Yeah. No, wrong. Wrong podcast. Yeah. Well, starting to feel like some real. We've always been at war with East Asia, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it it's 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 very strange, but uh, just to kind of quickly go over what this means in practical terms, uh. Starting November 9th, uh, the deal with between Funimation and Crunchyroll will be over. So what that will mean is all the cool old backlog shows, like probably Nichijou, that were added to Crunchyroll uh, during the you know this deal during the life of the deal will no longer be on Crunchyroll. Also, if uh, the Funimation channel on VRV will no longer be available. And obviously, you know, they're not going to continue to co-license shows. So we're probably going to be back to the the old days of, well, did Funny get it or Crunchyroll get it? and uh, Or did Netflix get it or did Amazon get it or did High Dive get it? Yes. Yeah, I feel like what we're starting to see is a is is the return of the fragmentation of streaming services that, in all fairness, is not just affecting anime. It's kind of affecting streaming content as a whole. You, you know, you have... Uh, Disney and Sony and Fox all kind of announcing that they are pursuing their own streaming channels, their own streaming services. And everybody, you're beginning to see what happens once moneyed interests kind of sink their teeth into what was once, you know, the new and far more convenient method of consuming content. It's once again becoming stratified in a, you know, frankly, kind of a, uh, disconcerting way yeah everybody wants the piece of the pie basically um but i think in funimation's case uh you know they've kind of had a long history i'm not gonna get into all of it they've had a long history of kind of running themselves into the ground and latching on to bigger companies um (laughs) you know they also have a purple logo so i'm basically saying they're the captain ginyu of anime streaming services (laughs) but uh (laughs) But uh, you know, we kind they did attack something orange. Yeah, and they did, uh, you know, so maybe Crunchyroll is Goku in this case. But uh, this 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 development wasn't. But doesn't Funimation have Dragon Ball in this situation? Yeah, that's 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 the irony, right? But uh, don't think about it. The um, this announcement wasn't like a huge shock because last year Funimation was purchased by uh, Sony, so. Um, you know, whether this was Sony's idea or Funimation's idea, I'm going to say they were both very happy about this because, you know, it benefits them. I don't think the, the deal with Crunchyroll was really helping Funimation. It was probably kind of more of a desperation move. But No, uh, but also, this is Sony we're talking about. Sony doesn't exactly have... Sony of Hotel Transylvania fame... <laughs> Is not exactly uh, well known for their multimedia savvy. Yeah, and playing yeah, playing nicely with others. Like, uh, you know, they have a history of right. making proprietary memory sticks or 
not having crossplay in Fortnite. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, That's right. <laughs> there's a lot of things Sony does not like to play well with others. So perhaps not a surprise, but you know, disappointing nonetheless. Um, I do want to for sure. I do want to point out kind of the one small silver lining. I guess is is the deal with High Dive, and it's not this. It's not as good as the Funimation deal because I don't think they're just directly sharing catalogs, but. Oh, is that not actually what's okay? Yeah, so I'll just explain because this is actually a pretty good deal still, though. Um, so if anybody's not familiar with, with what VRV is, which I, I suspect a lot of people aren't, so um, VRV years are pronounced like verve or something. I'm gonna call it VRV until told otherwise. But uh, <laughs> the <laughs> a new thing or just remove all the vowels. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's. It's a it's kind of like a sister company to Crunchyroll. They're both owned by a company called Elation, and it's sort of like a video aggregate thing where there's different channels. Honestly, the only thing like worthwhile on there is Crunchyroll. That's kind of like their crown jewel. But uh, the, up until now, uh, one of the other channels has been Funimation. So that if you had a premium subscription to VRV, which is only like ten bucks, you can watch all the content from both Crunchyroll and from Funimation. Uh, mm. so with the deal changing Funimation channel is going to be gone from VRV, but now they're adding the high dive channel. So you'll be able to watch all the content from Crunchyroll and high dive. If you get that $10 a month VRV subscription. So you can, uh, save a couple bucks there. Cause I don't know. Is Crunchyroll 10 bucks currently Marlon? Do you, do you know? I, I don't think it's that. Or is I it... thought it's still like six bucks a month. Does that sound right? Is, is there, do they still have like the two levels? I probably should have researched this beforehand, but anyway. I should probably check. Like, I, I have the yearly level, so I actually. Is there the like a mo- level that comes with all the manga as well? Or That's not a check. Yeah, I think you still get the premium access to Crunchyroll, um, which includes the manga uh, when you get the VRV. But um, hmm. yeah, either way, you, you end up saving at least a couple bucks doing it that way. Right. Uh, which is nice. So. Uh, nevertheless, though, actually, uh, you know, High Dive's <laughs> back catalog is not nearly as good as Funimation's. So, I don't know. They got Votoms and aside from Tyler aside Dunbar from uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes and a couple of those really old shows, um, they don't have Nietzsche Joe. That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> no, but I think here's the thing. Like, I I actually do think that High Dive is kind of a smart, fun get you know, for a more mainstream audience, because here's the thing, right? Crunchyroll gets, you know, almost everything, right? Other than the stuff that Amazon or Netflix snatch up, it usually goes to CR. And they usually get, they have most of the modern relevant stuff, whereas High Dive has very much kind of found its niche in being like, hey, remember that super fucking old 80s mech TV show or something? Yeah. We have that. We got it. Like, High Dive knows they cannot compete on the who can get My Hero Academia rights, you know, fight. Right. That's not a fight they can win. So they've kind of found another venue for them to uh, to work with. And so kind of having them together, at least to me, seems like, you know, again, losing Funimation, not great. But I do think getting High Dive is a good it it's a good it's a it's a good bit of mitigation on on their part right it's a consolation prize yeah 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, I should point out uh, Crunchyroll did specifically mention they will continue to, or both companies will continue to have That's My Hero good. Academia. So, I guess everyone, uh, yes, then the, the hot issues are taken care of. Everyone is agreed on that. Thought, but like, uh, yes. maybe uh, directed this action because, you know, I know personally. I dropped my Funimation subscription the moment that the dub wasn't like week to week, which I know is kind of crappy, but you know, I wanted to keep up with the show. And so I went back to the subs on Crunchyroll and I didn't have any need for the Funimation subscription. So I wonder how many times that happened that they saw, Oh, we have all this, all these subscriptions for the times that we have the symbol dub and then they just drop off once we don't. Yeah. I have a feeling they were in bad shape beforehand anyways. So I don't know if that even, mattered but uh you know i'm sure they wanted to break free and try to make money again at, you know at their next opportunity which apparently came with yeah. sony so interesting sony said they're trying to take they're trying to they're going to try to take funimation international which is interesting because funimation has always been an american um licensing right. company strictly so um we'll see how that goes Still not going to get a Funimation subscription is all yeah. I'm saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's uh, let's move along then and talk about some actual anime. And we'll start by uh, talking about a very extremely late first look. Um, Kyoto Animation has finally decided to grace us with their presence. And they aired the first episode of uh, Surine. Which it airs air Sundays, so just just so everybody knows, we, we're recording on Saturday, so the, the the episode two is not aired. But if the podcast is going up Monday, it will have aired. But so we're only talking about episode one at the moment. Um, and uh, I don't know if we got really much to say because it's exactly what we thought it was yeah. going to be. Um, yep, <laughs> archery boys, good old Kyoani like pretty boys working out their emotional issues via some sort of sport that we can animate. Yep. We have our main looking (laughs) stoically into the, we have our, our main, uh, our main guy who really loved doing, uh, what, what is the specific Kudo Kudo, um, which is like a, a archery thing. (laughs) I don't really know a whole lot about it. Sorry, everybody. I'm not Archery trying to. Boys. I'm not trying Glory to minimize minimize the sport or anything. Yeah, I, my yeah, but basically, it's you know, it's an archery thing. So archery boys, yes. And look, man, let's. I'm just saying, let's be real, all right? Like, how many fucking people are watching the new Kyoani anime because they're like, oh, you know, I've always really wanted a show that really got into the the depths of, of, of Japanese archery. That's really what I'm here for. Let's be fucking honest. No. Okay. Like there are studios out there that just right. have a thing they do. Right. You know, like trigger, like Kyoani and Kyoani's thing is, well, I guess both pretty boys and pretty girls doing pretty people, pretty things pretty and things. pretty backgrounds. Yes. And it's always very like, well produced but also maybe devoid of any personality like that's that's what you're here for and that's what you're going to keep getting in the same way that every trigger anime's last episode will involve them fighting in space (laughs) every kyoani anime will have some fucking boy or girl kind of dealing with their teenage sense of melancholy and isolation 
only to find emotional fulfillment in whatever the given task or occupation awesome of the show is. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's kind of what makes me the most sad about the show and recent Kiwani shows is like they don't have any like life or soul to them anymore. Like I feel like, you know, five plus years ago or whatever, when they were making shows, you might not have liked them, but they had like energy to them. You know, like there's there was like life to them. And and now they're just so yeah dry and technical and self-serious and like. It's just, it's just so boring to watch, and I mean, there's nothing like wrong, but at the same time, it's like nothing to get excited about. Final Fantasy right. thirteen I mean... of anime studios. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? You say that, but you know what? I'm gonna, I'm not the biggest Kyoani fan, but I will say. That's being unfair to Kyoani. Kyoani at least has a more consistent track re- record than Square Enix yeah. in the 21st century. I don't know. So. They, they threw out some garbage every once but, in a while. Uh, that one with the the limbo spirits. I forget what that one was. Yeah. But I, yeah, well, I mean, that was bad, but like I said, at least it had some kind of like personality to it. It was a bad right. personality, but like it, there was like. <laughs> You know, there's something there, and and these are just like, it's like watching almost like training grounds for I mean, the movies it's... or something like that. I wonder. I don't know. It it does make me wonder though. Like, how do I put this? I don't think that there has necessarily been any dramatic structural changes to the studio recently. You know, I think most of the leadership, most of the senior team is still largely the same due to KyoAni's, you know, rather unique uh, studio structure and system. So it does make you wonder, have they kind of made this shift because this is what is marketable and this is what is sustainable for them? Or, you know, I I guess I'm trying to think of other factors. That's an interesting point because the, the, the big three directors, um, of the old Kiwani were like Ishihara. Um, I can't remember the other guy's name and, uh, and, and Naoko Yamada, who's now like, they're kind of like ace director and they're all like working on movies. So the TV anime, a lot of that has been either the beyond the boundary guy, which that speaks for itself <laughs> or, or, or new people. So like apparently the, with Surune, it's all new people. And I find it interesting that like, they're all still kind of doing the same. Like, is that just what they're teaching their up and coming directors to do? I don't huh. know, but yeah, that um, you know, that is an interesting. I hadn't realized that Surine was also another like train yeah, up the new staff project. You know, I mean, we'll get to it once we get to Gridmaid, but that puts it into very stark contrast with uh, the other show this season that yeah. is designed to be training it's up like, the new generation. It's like it's like Q has like Kiwani become like this factory for like these technically brilliant but very boring (laughs) directors at this point i don't know but uh i guess that's the thing right they are undeniably skilled at what they do it's just perhaps what they're doing these days is not as interesting as it used i mean look this is the same studio that once gave us objectively the number three anime of the decade (laughs) nichi joe (laughs) so there are clearly talented people there 
You know, it's just what are they doing these days is the question. What is the yeah. Nietzsche Joe director doing these days? I think I think he's been like I think he's been doing movies. I, I don't uh, remember which one, but uh, yeah. unless like they it, announce they're doing Nietzsche Joe the movie, I I just can't um, bring myself to care. What would you even do in Nietzsche Joe the movie? <laughs> I don't know. Like you could, well, I, mean, I mean, it's Nietzsche Joe. You could do like anything, really. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they, they, like, they they go on, like, they go on like a trip to a to an island where all the superheroes in the world <laughs> and the best superhero researchers convene. And they get attacked by superpowered terrorists, and it's up to <laughs> it's up to our lo- it's up to our lovable trio to to put a stop to it. I feel like this is not, uh, or this is being inspired by something else. I have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah, totally original idea. But anyway, I will just say though, not- you better keep an eye out for the last thirty minutes because man, <laughs> it's really well animated. Yeah, I'm really bummed I missed that. The uh, all right, well, the only interesting thing that did happen in Surine was at the end uh, when he meets the hot samurai dude with the pet owl. I don't know what was going on with that, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it'll be something like, "Oh, you need to learn to not take your archery so seriously and just have fun," or something. <laughs> can can like... the samurai dude with the pet owl hanging out at the temple say that though? I don't know. I don't like know. doing it at a temple is different from doing it for competition. He's just got to like he's got to learn to do it for his the, the self improvement of the martial art or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, like, I'm sure. Fucking, uh, the fucking I'm sure like you're, you're right. I mean, like who knows? Yeah, it was boring. That show was boring, but also it made me angry. So <laughs> I was just hoping it was going to be like C3Bu when she goes to the uh, the temple. Oh man, the yeah. Oh, like yeah. like you're talking about the samurai, and I was I was I was wondering if I should bring up C3Bu. Like oh, because that is that's very that, that is exactly what I thought about, and I, there's no way in hell they're going that way. But uh, that's no. that is what I yeah, thought. About. You say <laughs> that you say that, but what if in the second episode that samurai is like the bow is great and all, but actually I come from the Sengoku period. <laughs> And then hand <laughs> the boy a musket. It's like this is a true warrior's weapon. Uh, uh, it's just archery club, but the main character's got a gun. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. It's the entire send show. This, send this to send this to Kiwani. They still have a couple of weeks to change things up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Rascal does not dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. Uh, still the stupidest title in the still world. Still the worst title. I don't know. What about Pet Girl? Well, that okay. are we just talking about this season, or I, I, mm, we we, I we had this discussion last uh, episode. We mentioned a uh, riddle story of Devil. I still think this. I still think this one's worse. But uh, the Japanese title is honestly worse because it's like you, that's it's like, like slang. Yeah, for like a like a or whatever. For like a derp, yeah. dirty pig, like deadbeat kid. Yeah, but um. Anyways, so we had uh. You know, if I'm gonna continue my uh, Monogatari uh allegory here, um, episode three wrapped up the first story arc and the uh the first girl where he uh helps solve her weird supernatural phenomena problem and they basically start dating, which is again now everyone can see her wear bunny suits now or what. Well, she doesn't. Thing? She has. She has she not worn the. the yeah, she has not. She only wore the bunny suit in the first episode, but everyone can see her now again. Um, and right. 
again, that is exactly what happened in the first three episodes of Bakemonogatari, just saying. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually thought, as on balance, the first arc was okay. Um, I mean, I really liked it, it, it. But I'm really much hotter on this show than you are. Well, <laughs> I think... Well, well, Marlon, what is what is like, what is it that you know you're liking about it so far? As far as I think, like you talked about before, the the banter between the main pair, I think, is still really yeah, solid. I'd agree with that. The, the, those three episodes, they have really good chemistry, and I think it's been a long time since I've seen like a romantic pair with that kind of chemistry. Right. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. I guess. It's how much, and this is a it's going to be a recurring theme for later in the show. But uh, you know, how much anime uh, nonsense are we willing to put up with to uh, um, get that? Is the question? Um, I know with this, it's testing my boundaries. That's for yeah, sure. with this show. So the one the one point where we would diverge from the the monogatari uh, comparison is, you know, I had mentioned last episode, this is not directed by Shinbo and therefore significantly less pervy. There's really not even, there's not even really fan service in it. I mean, would you agree on that, Marlon? Like, am I, did I block anything out? Or is it like, there's not like panty shots and stuff like that, right? Yeah, no, like, you know, you think it's going to be terrible because of the whole, like the title itself is like, oh, there's going to be a bunny girl walking around. And then she gives him the, like the bunny girl dress in the first episode. And then she never wears it again. And it seemed to show that they were going in a different tonal direction than you would think. And it continues that in this, in the, the new episodes. Yeah. And another, another difference I would, is like in, in Monogatari, the the supernatural phenomena stuff is kind of played from like a like a horror angle, whereas this they're like di- diving into like pseudo philosophy stuff, like Schrodinger's cat, you know, anime's favorite meta- metaphysical yeah. experiment. Isn't didn't right. Monogatari also do that though? A, a little bit, oh, but no, but this Monogatari, show tries to like this is metaphysical. So like <laughs> you know, there, there's a slight difference because like. This is, you know, it's kind of like, um, uh, you know, like VLR or 999, where it's dealing with pseudoscience and plays with it in a way that makes it seem... Ah, uh, we get like, some Ice-9 up in this shit, huh? All right. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. That kind of stuff, where it's like Schrodinger's cat was why she was disappearing Wait, what? in the last one. That's not... That's... It's a stretch. Well, the same kind of stretch that they do in that in VLR and that kind of no, stuff. No, but Ice-9 makes complete sense. It's a... It's a <laughs> the special experimental chemical that can... Morphogenetic field. No, uh... Yeah, yeah, morphogenetic fields, man. It's 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 all there, all right? Like, it's been a couple years, but, you know, if you play that game, it's all there. It's all explained perfectly well. Uh, yeah. yeah. But so I think they do a pretty good job. I guess my question is, like, for Bunny Girl thing is, like, I watched the first episode, and then I was like, yeah, it was alright, and then the more I thought about that first episode, the more I was like, oh, I see, this girl, this girl, this girl, this girl, who all unique designs are all just gonna be coming into, like, his harem... Well, but people are going to keep watching the show and be like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's not a harem. It's like smart because of the pseudoscience and see, he's dating the one girl. So it's fine. Yeah. Again, we'll find out exactly what happened in Monogatari. But and that I mean, personally, I think that is still the path we're going because 
you know, if we get to episode four, they start the next arc where he meets the next girl. Yeah. Well, he kind of already met her in the first arc briefly, but now we're turning our focus over to her. And um, I don't know, man, I hated episode four personally. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, once again, I think the chemistry between the main pair is good. Yeah, the, like the girl itself, it's kind of annoying. But I think you're supposed to think she's annoying. You know, like you're you're supposed to kind of empathize with the main character having to deal with her nonsense. Well, that's the thing. Does, like, does he? <laughs> I mean, like, so, so, I mean, just to explain generally what happens, the they start the next arc and... You know, first of all, I was furious because I thought we were gonna they were gonna go pull an endless eight on us because they start doing the, <laughs> the looping days where he wakes up and he oh, talks boy. to his sister in the morning and you know they, they were this close to saying you know Kion Denwa at the beginning, um, but uh, you know for thankfully that dies off, and I actually thought that was kind of neat that how they just killed it when unexpectedly in the middle of the episode, but um, it ends up with him in some roundabout way having to pretend to be this other girl's boyfriend um right despite him technically dating well kind of dating the main girl already and you know we're setting ourselves up for all kinds of anime misunderstandings and people not addressing their feelings etc etc so um awesome you know what all right you know you know what's you know what is my beef with these shows is that Amagami already did this concept uh, better, like, nearly a decade ago at this point. And all these other fucking quote-unquote harem shows are still playing catch-up. Whereas Amagami already perfected the formula. Four episodes per girl, different timeline, like, it's all there. Right. All y'all had to do was just copy that formula. It works. Every, every fan gets what they want. Every fan is like, yeah, well, actually, you know, my arc is the best one because she turns into a bowl of ramen. <laughs> you know, you know, everybody, everybody, unless you're a fan of I, can say, you know, I respect your opinions, but actually, this this girl is my favorite. And my arc, you know, supports that because it exists in its own standalone canon. So how come in 2018, all these fucking romance slash harem shows are still so behind the ball? I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen an honest to goodness, like, male visual novel adaptation. Or, you know, uh, male... Was it Island, like, two seasons ago? (laughs) Yeah. No, no, I'm talking about, like, one for, uh, based off of, like... What would you say? A, a VN for men? Because I think that was a VN yeah. Wasn't that what again. Island was? <laughs> no, you know, Island Island was was or, a male demographic. Oh, VN. it was okay. Yeah, I totally forgot about Islands. Wasn't that also super creepy? Yeah, but 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 I mean, they're not. That's kind of like an anomaly now in 2018, yeah. whereas they were very popular. Like, right. Look, you know, I, I, I'm just ago. look. I'm just yeah. saying. I'm just saying. If you wanna, you wanna avoid all the fucking fan infighting in the whole oh who's the best girl or actually uh araragi is actually more into such and such because if you look at this scene in the movie like oh, he says you know this line to the cat girl yeah, well, speaking, like, of you, mo- speaking of movies <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're already making a sequel movie for this bunny girl thing right like, i mean they're totally yeah. trying to go all in on this monogatari shit like with this right. aren't they like <laughs> totally well, hopefully they'll actually make this movie there's already like a trailer <laughs> for it uh, but like that's what I mean. Yeah. If they were all just separate arcs, 
You wouldn't have to deal with any of this. Yeah. I think it's still going okay. I mean, it's definitely not as good as the first arc. I want to say that if it gets to the end of this next arc and she becomes his little haremet, then it's done. Then that's that's no reason to follow up on it. Yeah. But, I will yeah, say... I, I still think it's got potential. I will say a lot of my kind of negative feelings about the show are still rooted in like my expectations and the context of these types of shows and more so what the show is actually doing with the exception of episode four, because I really hated the whole let's, I have to pretend to be your boyfriend now thing. But um, if it does feel like every time it's about to do something really, really stupid, it doesn't go there. So to the show's credit, um, it's, you know, it hasn't actually done a lot of like really bad stuff yet and i just feel like it, the shoe's just gonna drop at any moment though and that's you know right. if you want to put Speaking that of <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you want to put that on me that's fine but i still feel like that's gonna happen at some point so yeah speaking of speaking the... of shows where the the, the bad shoe dropped <laughs> the bad shoe did not just drop it fucking like fell from orbit. the whole foot fell off with <laughs> it, it 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 crashed into the earth and, and decimated yes, 95% of life on the surface, <laughs> leaving uh, everyone, its survivors to just wonder what had happened, what could have possibly precipitated the events and decisions that led to its recent <laughs> turn in quality. Uh, That's a transition. We're talking about <laughs> Zombieland Saga. Yeah. So that was so bad. Just to just I just want a quick recap to everybody. The in the first two episodes, I feel like they very clearly set up this premise of we're gonna throw the girls into a different musical genre every week and it's gonna be weird and funny and just lighthearted right. and fun. And you know, we had the we had like the you know the the death metal in episode one, which you know is appropriate for zombies. We had the great rat battle in episode two, and now we arrive on episode three um and yep. in episode three they uh do a uh, you know gorilla live show out in the uh you know the town square or whatever and it's pretty much just straight up idol singing and Love dancing live standard idol bad of irony no nope. it is p- played completely straight like Mama, yeah mama romano is the only one like they're still trying to treat it like a joke, basically. <laughs> yeah, like like the zombie aspect barely plays at all. It it is utterly confounding. Like like we can get it into this with both things going. Yeah, with three and four, but like it's just how do you how do you go from two Alright, you know, we had our conversation about is it actually satire and is it actually good, is it actually entertaining, blah blah blah. Like, you know what? Whatever. regardless of what it is, those first two episodes were a lot of fun to watch. Whether they are just a regular idol show with just a good sense of humor or whatever. The first two episodes of Zombieland Saga are great. They're funny. They're well animated. You know, the dialogue is snappy. The visual gags are good. I Great character animation. Is it just, like, like what, what the fuck happened? Like, <laughs> what the fuck happened between episode two and three? It, it did the writer just like run out of good ideas was was the first two episodes just is that just all the good ideas they had and they were like well that's it. Faster. 
the investor kick down the door and say, "This is not enough right. idol." Like, I thought like, you were gonna. Yeah. Thing, right, like we're gonna get to like some real conspiracy theory shit, but like my theory is that there is like an internal fight at Mappa right now between the people who are like. It's a zombie idol show. We should just, like, do funny, dumb, like, skits every week. And then is there just that fucking, like, slightly balding Japanese man in a suit, like, angrily <laughs> tapping his foot, asking why Smoking the idols... Right, like, why the idols aren't ganbare in hard enough, you know? Like, he's just like, Sorry, where, where's the ganbare? Why aren't they cheering hard enough? <laughs> yeah, because they... Where's the glow sticks? They, they, gamba- More glow they sticks. Uh, ganbare pretty hard in episode three and four. Um, yeah, like, which you literally... You fucking the- literally, like, on a... Fucking, without a hint of irony, in episode four... Like, I know we're skipping around, but in episode four... The yeah, we, we can just go right have, to four, because they're pretty much... We without, can pretty much package without, them together. Without a hint of irony, you have the scene where all the girls get into a circle, and they're all like, you know, oh, I don't I don't know what if we can do it, but I'm gonna try hard. And then the next girl's like, I always put 100% into everything. And the next girl's like, me too. And then the fourth girl's like, hmm, this might be interesting. I want to put my all into this too. It's like, it's like, it's not a joke. It's not a bit. Like, you could, here's the thing. The way the show's written the first two episodes, you could. Episode three could have been a bit. Yes. Like, episode three could have been a fantastic bit because, you know, here's the thing. All right. Like, to give it some context, episodes one and two, right? It's like they're doing different genres. And not only are they doing different genres, but. They're animating it really well, you know? And then episode three, they introduce the CG models. The fucking idol master the, like, ass. same idol stuff that's in right. every idol and, show. And it looks like world. shit. Yeah, like and, yeah they, 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 <laughs> I, I, I just want to point out, I think they look even worse than normal. Like, they look like, like, a, and, like a Miku Miku dance mod or something right? like that. And, and you, know right. you, know what, you, know you know what is the astounding thing? I've been looking at quarters of the internet who are like, you know, actually, for idol shows, the CG's actually really good. <laughs> that's really good? Excuse me? If that's really good, it sounds like you're watching trash for a living. Right. You fucking trash man. <laughs> like, it's like, I'm, try cool crew at better CG yeah, than this. Like, like, all right, say what you will about CG, all right? Like, we, we, you know, we'll, we'll get to Gridman at the end of the day. Well, you know, we'll get to Double Decker and Gridman at the end of this podcast. But <laughs> CG can't work. But you cannot fucking like, like I fucking dare you. Look me in the eye. Look me in the eye and say <laughs> that the CG dance sequence in episode three looks better than the rap battle in episode two, and that that's a thing, right? Like as yeah. a bit, as a one-off joke, that would be hilarious if it was just like, haha, look at these hilariously bad CG models dancing. What a funny joke, am I right, guys? Especially like that's what I said. Performing like amateurs. Yeah, like that's what I said to Iro after I watched that episode the other day. I was like, "Boy, that CG that preview looks like shit." Good thing that's just a bit, right? Like, but it's not because then in episode four yeah. they do it again, and do it again. and hundred percent seriously. You could have looked at episode. You could have looked at episode three as like. Like like Marlon just said, they were amateurs. All right, we tried the idol thing. Ha ha, it's funny. Didn't work. Let's move on to the next. You know, whatever. And you know, episode we move into episode four, and they double double and triple down on the you know the the idol thing completely. Like it, they so basically they go do an actual performance, scheduled performance at this hot springs. And uh, aside from getting everybody high and a bit of a horror scene at the end, there's literally no, uh, there's like no spin on this whatsoever. It's just straight up. Right. It's, 
it's played completely straight. Even the like, even the product, right? When they said, "Oh, we're doing like a, a um, an event for a pharmaceuticals company," I was like, "Okay, the funny joke is going to be like they're like erectile dysfunction pills or something, or they're like, <laughs> you know, like." You know, they're pills for, like, you know, digestion or, like, you know, laxatives. Just, you know, whatever, right? It's a pharmaceuticals company. You can do funny, a funny, dumb, like, kind of crude bit like that, right? They don't even do that. They literally, they literally will say, oh, what's the product? Oh, wow, this product's fantastic. I love this product. It gives me so much energy. <laughs> like, not even a hint of irony. Like, is it, like... Were they were they actually showing a real product in this episode? Like, is that a real pharmaceuticals company? Because like, it didn't sound like it. It didn't look like it. No, but so. but the way they were talking about it is yeah. so devoid of satire or irony or any bite. Like, like it almost felt like it was an actual, like you know, ad for for a real product. Like it was an actual you know thing that they were trying to sell. Because if if you were if it was if it's not a real product if it's not a real company why would you play it that straight right like why wouldn't you do even just a little bit of funniness with it you know like you don't have to go full into like you know what's this pill i don't know what it is well, let's all try it out and then later you find out it's lax it is like you don't got to go that far right or i was but i was expecting to like they put it on and everyone would get so relaxed they'd like fall asleep and not see their show or yeah, something right? like right? or like it's a sleeping aid or something right so yeah i mean there is one I want to highlight one particular scene in episode four that I think kind of sums up my feelings here. They, uh, you know, at one point they um, they decide to go walk around town at the place that they're, they're doing their gig and they go to like the. What do they call it? A soaking pool or whatever, where you put like your foot, foot bath thing. Yeah. Um, and so they all have their makeup on at this point. And so they all they all. um you know, dip their legs in the in the the foot bath thing, and they start having this you know total idle idle conversation about you know, man, I'm so glad that we are, we that can all work together and idle let's way. you know try our best to be this real idle group. We can you know. I mean, this is where like the Ganbare conversation right. happens. Right. So I'm like, okay, fine, but you know, hey, as soon as they get out of this foot bath thing, all their makeup's going to be off their legs, and they're going to be in trouble, and then we're going to be back to zombie hijinks. But uh, no. Apparently they have they don't. water. Uh, you know they 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 sprung for that waterproof uh, makeup, and uh, nothing happens. It just played entirely straight. Um, and they're right. And it's like is the producer at least funny in episode four? Because like I, he was still really unsettling and funny in episode three. No, uh, the producer. And I, can... I'll talk about that. I'll, uh, I want to talk more about him later. But um, go ahead. Yeah, Pete. I was gonna say there is like that one kind of decentish bit in that as well where. Like the producer is talking to the pharmaceutical lady, and he's, you know, I mean, it's a pretty predictable bit where he's like, and I'm sure they're working very hard right now as he sees them all like, like running by. Past uh, them, yeah. past <laughs> but then there's no payoff to it. Right. Like he sees them walk past, but then there's no repercussion. There's no like, I guess there was that bit at the end where, you know, he's like, oh, I'll shave your head next time or something. It's like, you know, whatever. But, right. Like all of the scenes that I saw, it's, he acts like he owns them. But, well, I mean, here's the thing, right? Even that could be a funny bit if it's playing into the, like, often, like, kind of egregious pseudo-abusive relationship that producers have with idols, right? Like, mm -hmm. if they lean into, like, oh, he's shitty, and you should laugh at him, but also remember he's shitty. But they don't really do that either. It's... Yeah. 
It's just, it's like the show lost all of its teeth so after the first two episodes. That, that point kind of touches on what I think is maybe the one thread of hope here. And this is a long shot. I'm going to just tell everybody now. I'm not predicting this is going to happen. But if there is one thread of hope here, um, they do specifically raise some questions in episode four about why are we zombies? Who is this weird man that has assembled us? What are we, you know, what are we doing? And I feel like, especially in the, f- the very beginning of the episode, they go out of their way to make him seem especially cruel. Like, like, um, basically what I'm getting at, I'm wondering if there's going to be some kind of uh, coup happening at some point where they just rise up against their master <laughs> and like do their own thing or I don't know, or if, like, or if there's something, if there's something else going on that we're going to peel back the curtain on, um, you know, maybe that pharmaceutical company they're working with is the one that caused the zombie outbreak or something. I don't know. I'm just throwing out like, is there, is there another layer here it's that we're right? Is there another layer here that we're missing? Is all I'm Here's the thing, out here. Jill, that would be, that would be funny. The, the real, my fear is almost the exact opposite where they're going to find out that the producer actually has a tragic backstory and that he researched necromancy to revive his long-lost love, and that's going to excuse all of his behavior. And then the zombie idols will Ganbari hard enough to bring her back to life or something. Hmm. Well, that would be like a even worse case scenario. But I mean, that's why I said I think... I, I think if your if your scenario is like the optimistic way you could maybe salvage this show, my assumption is this is the actual dark, depressing, if, boring, unfunny, poorly written direction this show is actually threatening to take. I mean, it's possible they could have just thrown out the raising the questions as a one off joke and never address the questions again, too. So, like, I don't know. I I just feel like that that's kind of the only path where the show could be could save itself at this point cuz I don't foresee it going back to at least immediately. I don't see any way they could just like go back to what we were getting in episode 1 and 2. It's um, just yeah, I mean, it's you know, I, it'll probably just totally become a regular ass idol it's show. It's just so confusing. Point. Like if you're going to do if you're a bad show but you had one good funny bit and just one I can believe it. I can be like, okay, the writers, you know, stopped clocks and all that shit, right? You know, I, I could imagine you accidentally happening upon a good funny bit once. But twice? Like, you clearly had an idea, mm-hmm. and you thought it was it was good enough to do twice. So why did you go back to the boring idol shit immediately afterward? Guess we'll just have to wait and see. Does it even earned in episode five? I don't fucking point? know. Like, I, I, I don't know, mother. I, I mean, I, man, like, I fucking watched Frank's to completion. Like, I, I don't know <laughs> what that what worthy <laughs> means anymore. But I, I mean, we're we're I'm already in pretty deep. Is my thinking? I, I kind of want to just. I'll, I'll give it at least another one or two episodes. I'll, I'll try to make it to six at least. I feel like and... for me, this is the kind of show that I could see myself hate watching because it's bad <laughs> but it's not like it's not like offensively bad in the way that like arrow manga sensei or those other shows you guys hate watch are bad like it's bad but it's not like you know grossly offensive, offensive bad. it's just right, boring right. bad D- disappointing bad but mm-hmm. 
you know, not in a way that like makes me want to question my faith in the very genre itself or humanity. It, it <laughs> or doesn't humanity. need to do that. I already have no faith <laughs> in the idle genre. So, uh, speaking of disappointing bad shows, yeah, let's let's talk about another uh, disappointing show, which uh, I know Marlon, you're coming in hot, just trying to catch up with this. Yeah, uh, I was but blazing uh, through those episodes today. I've been I've been forcing myself to continue watching Boarding School Juliet as I desperately desperately want the show to be good, and uh, for the most part, it continues to disappoint me. Um, mm-hmm. Episode three introduces uh, a new character, uh, Princess Char, which I don't know if that's a, supposed to be a Gundam reference or not. Wait. But <laughs> she doesn't wear. I mean, does she wear red? Odd. Thing, so. No, it isn't. She have a mask. She has a crown. Uh, yeah, uh, she doesn't have a literal accident. mask. Uh, Maybe a She's talking about how oh, humanity needs to escape their bonds of gravity and go out and embrace their destiny in space. Yeah, are 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 human souls weighed down by gravity? Does her chariot move three times yeah. as fast? No, she she's the uh, she's a basically a sadistic lesbian stalker. So. Um, yeah, that, um hmm. <laughs> you could line that up with Char Aznable <laughs> in some ways. Uh yeah, so she's like the she's like the perfect princess who's the best friend of the main girl and the main guy and she discovers that the, the that the the two main characters are dating uh and you blackmails him because she's secretly in love with her herself and has like Oh, I see. Right down to the, you know, the secret room behind her mirror where she has pictures plastered all over the wall. <laughs> this is not a joke. Um, Man, this is a real one thing. Yeah, no, this is all entirely literal. Um, and It's just a show from, like, 15 years ago. Yeah, that's, that's about right. <laughs> yeah, well, it's... it's. Yeah, I don't think we've actually mentioned on the podcast, you know, part of why I was interested in the show is it is but the same studio and director as... Uh, Yamada Kun and the Seven Witches, okay. which is, you know, the uh, you know, mildly smutty Glorio fan favorite yeah. of uh, you know, a couple Aero years manga ago. award winner of twenty fifteen or something like that. The Arrow, Arrow, yeah, Marlon's Arrow, Arrow Kawaii, Arrow Kawaii uh, <laughs> award winner, and you know, there are some similarities in the show as far as you know. Again, I, like I said, this is going to be a recurring theme here. The main couple is pretty good. Um, they have a, they kind of have a nice kind of equal relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they generally try to be very, you know, open and honest with each other, which is something I always appreciate in anime relationships. Right. Um, and you know, that again, the core of the, like that is the core of the show is good. And they get, and it's just how much, uh, once again, how much anime nonsense are you willing to put up with? And in episode three, it's, it's the, you know, hot. the obsessive, lesbian stalker who also <laughs> we were talking about this earlier i feel like there's a lot of weird foot fetish stuff going on in anime yeah. the past couple weeks here yeah we got we got we got to talk about the foot discourse in anime you know we need yeah to... we'll, we'll, i think we'll I, talk a little bit more uh, about that in grid man but uh I feel like, <laughs> well i mean that that show just has a penchant for legs in general like the... legs legs are fine I, i'm willing to have the leg discourse in anime the foot discourse we're, we're, we're talking very like specifically feet. is um and and uh th- this new girl and also in episode four there's a lot of uh how would i put it i think they're trying to appeal to the uh 
quote unquote please step on me crowd. Uh, <laughs> all right. If you get okay. If you get where I'm I got if you. you get where no, I'm no, going with you. that. I got one. you. You know the um yeah, yeah, it's anyways it's interesting. It is masochistic stuff in both episodes. They they do that back to back with two different characters because in episode four we um we kind of they decide to focus on the main guys like second in command, who is this obviously uh cute girl that uh you know is clearly in love with him and of course is his childhood friend or whatever, and she's very sweet and nice until uh she puts her glasses on, and her personality changes. Oh, boy. Again, this what is so many years ago. Like, Yeah, no, seriously, the more you talk about this show, the more it sounds like something from... And she uh, basically turns into the, you know, uh, another sadistic, uh, let's say, disciplinarian uh, character. <laughs> where, <laughs> but, uh, yep, and uh, I guess... I did kind of like in episode four and Marlon, I know you didn't get a chance to finish this one, but uh, so I don't know how far you got, you know, at some point, you know, she's clearly in love with him and you figure this is just going to be a secret forever. Right. But they're also, but they're also friends. So at some point, uh, you know, she actually confesses to him, which is kind of shocking. I thought this was just going to go on for the rest of the show. And, um, and the main guy's like, you know, well, we're very close friends. She should, I can trust her. I'm going to tell her the truth so that, you know, she deserves to know the truth about him <laughs> dating the other girl, which seems like Steve. the right thing to do. Right. Her and so teenager, that seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> I, I think that's the, I think that's a, actually probably the mature it's, response there. It's the mature thing, but you're not dealing with mature characters. Right. Well, any, my, I th- what I thought was going to happen is he was going to tell her and she was going to say, you know, start crying, scream Baca and run off. Right. Yeah. But she's like, no, you know what? Uh, the, you know, the code of our uh, our faction uh, states that uh, I have to kill you now. <laughs> so right. She grabs a sword and chases him around, attempting him to murder him. So <laughs> I felt like I felt like that was a pretty good twist. And um I know, Marlon, you didn't finish it. They do eventually kind of work it out in the end. Right. So that, I, you know, as much. We're, we're, we're left with kind of this core group of people that know their secret now, which should help kind of, you know, one of the, one of the problems I had is, you know, I, I mentioned, I feel like the premise kind of painted the author into a corner where you can only do so much of the, oh, we're secretly dating. We have to, you know, make sure nobody finds out stuff. Right. Like, you can only realistically drag that out for so long. Mm-hmm. And I feel like having a couple people that know will help um, keep that going, I guess, without being too ridiculous. But does that, um, does that mean that guy voiced by Araraki is going to have to get in on the secret? Because he's like the most annoying character by far. Uh, the guy with the padlock for an earring? Yeah, Scott. No, Scott. <laughs> Wait, padlock for an earring? That's a, that's a look. Which one is he? The guy that's like Juliet's stalker. Oh, like her second, her second in command, the glasses, yeah. with glasses, yeah, yeah. How many stalkers are in this show? Uh, there's, there's several, at least. Yeah. Three. Great. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so you're saying Mar- Marlon, he he's gonna have to find out as well. I think so. That seems yeah. to be the way things are going. Like, Sir, is it just gonna end up where everybody knows, but they don't know everybody knows? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so, just like, is this just gonna become like Nisikoi or something? Well. Nisikoi, like, 
was more presented as a harem whereas this show i don't think there's yeah, I guess there's right. any quest there's like there's like no question like this dude like doesn't even qu- like he's immediately i need to tell her no i'm not interested in you um like there's no right. question that who the main couple is here so um is there a mercutio equivalent hmm um i feel like that would be the girl the the the, the one that we're talking about that's in love with him from this episode yeah I mean, as far as, like, a, a best friend. Yeah, I mean, she is, like, his closest friend, basically. Everybody else kind of hates him, to be I honest. I don't think anyone's going to get stabbed, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, then why gonna... would I even watch this show? <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, um, a lot of, a lot of um, there just continues to be a lot of, fan like, bad fan service. And by that, I mean, like, just, like, totally random, let's zoom in on body parts stuff like yeah. feet like like feet <laughs> like maybe feet. feet it might be other other parts or garter belts garter belts oh, um, now i know why marlon's watching this show <laughs> and, <Catch your> mouth. <laughs> it's it's like it, it, again if we're going to go back to the the, the you know the yamadakun comparison you know marlon and i were kind of talking about why is that different like everybody was just kind of that show kind of had a premise where everybody would just was kind of into each other and wanted to make out with each other. And it just felt like I, and I also don't remember there being just like random, uh, people so a show about polyamory. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some people would, might have interpreted it that way, but, uh, I don't know. It, and I didn't feel like there was a lot of just like the random let's zoom in on this girl's chest just because we can stuff going on. I'm, I mean, it just kind of had it out there all the time was the thing. Right. It kind of normalized it, I guess, to where it was like, and, and it was all consensual for the most part. So just like. Uh, consensual for the most part. <laughs> yeah, that's what we said before. That is well, a that is hey, look, sequence of words right there. When you, when, when you, when your method of activating. Stunning endorsement. When your method of activating powers by, is by kissing people. You know, wait, I'm, not, you, is that, I'm not gonna. Wait, I'm not gonna. Are you serious? I'm not gonna finish that wait, sentence. Let's just move on. <laughs> I, I never watched that show. Wait, are you fucking? Is that the actual premise? Yes, that is the actual premise. In in uh, Yamada-kun in the Seven Witches, yes, to activate the power, they have to kiss. Isn't? I feel like people were making crude jokes about anime like that in the <laughs> early two thousands. Like it very much feels like a early two thousands. Like not just that, but more like oh man, anime is so fucking insipid and creatively bankrupt <laughs> that they would write anime about like oh protagonist coon the only way i can power up is if you kiss me like well, i mean it's not like they like seek after him for it it's more just that yeah it, it's oh it's strictly business of course <laughs> yeah no, well, maybe sometimes it's, it sounds bad on paper, but trust us, it's pretty good. Really, no, I promise. no, it sounds pretty, sounds pretty bad. Period. But they don't um, know gel. They just don't know. That, yeah, nobody um, understands us. Yeah. Anyways, that's that's maybe that's another discussion for another time. Getting back to boarding school, Juliet. Um, uh, while I would say episode four is maybe slightly better than three, st- the show's still not great. And uh, I will uh, probably keep watching it again because, like I said, I, I'm desperately wanting it to be good or for it to turn itself around. But once you've hit, I think, the episode four, like episode three, four, it's 
it's gonna it's hard to turn like like completely salvage the show like yeah you're gonna always have to say well in the first three episodes it's really bad even if the rest of it's good so i don't know but I th- I find it, you know really- i mean by this point in a show the personality of a show starts to settle in you start to get a you start to get a feel for generally what it's going to be and what it's trying to be i think right so i, I have, find like, it interesting the- we have kind of like this opposite views of bunny girl and juliet where it's like we both want it to be these other shows to be good and the other one just thinks it's not worth it <laughs> like usually usually we're together on every at least on romance shows and things like that but i think it's a more subtle difference than you're thinking marlon well yeah to, to be fair i don't think either show is really worth it but i don't know sounds <laughs> <they're>, like <laughs> they're, you guys they're, i find them interesting to watch enough to watch at least and talk about at least but uh right yeah what were you saying what were you sounds saying? like you guys should uh watch some actually good Did anime you? like the next thing on our list <laughs> that's yeah. double decker all right so um this is the only one on here i'm not watching so you guys are gonna have to take the lead on it but i do believe hell yeah since since it airs on sunday and again we're right. recording saturday the only new episode since we last talked about it was five so yeah. uh what do we how how's that been going it's good still pretty good I think it's still pretty good the thing with episode five is though is like so far, I think the show's been at its best when it's just kind of this, like, kind of goofy police sitcom type show. Yeah. But this episode is sort of the, like, first quote-unquote plot episode uh, where yeah. they're trying to, like, get into the, like, meta plot of the entire series. And so it kind of, because it's just inherently more serious, it kind of just isn't as fun. Yeah, I mean, but you kind of need an episode. I think it's a solid episode, but I will agree that, in essence, because it is designed around revealing to us who our, you know, quote-unquote true villain is, and what is probably going to be the primary plot for the rest of the series, I think what I need to see now is where the show goes from here. Basically, is this going to be the kind of police procedural sitcom show, you know, to use like a real, you know, to use a live action equivalent, if it, you know, you have a twelve episode police procedural, is it the sort of thing where this episode introduces, you know, the uh, the, the serial killer that the heroes are going to need to stop by the end of the season? But that's sort of a an a plot that happens every now and then while you still have your day to day episodic uh, stories. Because if it's just if we are just all in on busting Esperanza and taking out you know, the, the gang leaders and all that shit. I think it could still be fun, but I really do think that show's strength is just the day-to-day antics. Yeah. I mean, next episode preview is literally says, like, now that we've got the plot started, let's go somewhere else. So. Right, right. There, There is definitely that, still that awareness to the show that gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, they seem to know what they're doing. Yeah. And you still have the humor in this episode, you know, again, explaining humor never really works out, but the bit at the very start where the narrator's just like, we're not going to even show you how <laughs> Kirill and Derek met it because dumb. it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> or or when Kirill starts to once again try to explain his uh, tragic backstory with his uh, long lost sister and Derek literally stops paying attention halfway through or something. <laughs> right. Is, is uh, the narrator the best think, character at this point? 
<laughs> oh, the narrator's pretty yeah. good. I, they're all pretty good. I, I, I love, uh, I love like not like unobjective narrators. Are, uh... <laughs> yes, yes, that's definitely yeah, it's definitely the case here. That's always fun. But uh, oh, nothing's it... quite topped that asshole line from uh, episode four. But <laughs> yes, you know, it's yes. going to be hard to beat that. That was just a fantastic joke. Are are we? Uh... Is this show in danger then? If you're saying it's getting more serious of uh, doing what Tiger and Bunny did on their final arc, where uh... mm, so yes, that is definitely my worry because uh, did you guys watch the second season of Tiger and Bunny? Uh, I, I did. I watched the whole. Yeah, thing. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Okay, okay. Then you you guys know what I'm talking about when it's like I do have my worries because Tiger and Bunny suffered a similar fate of starting off as this fun kind of goofy buddy cop hero story and then they introduced the serious plot and i feel like that did not hold up nearly as well as the day-to-day stuff so i do have that worry with uh double decker but it seems like it's just too jokey though like the the characters are too not serious to carry that kind of plot and like they they understand how to use their characters that they won't to come to that with tiger and bunny it was kind of like they always were a bit serious other than uh the old guy i forget whoever that tiger is kotetsu yeah and uh yeah i I think they won't fall into that same mistake here yeah from from what you guys are telling me double decker sound does sound more comedy focused because like marlon was saying with tiger and bunny it was you know a superhero show so there were comedy elements but there were also you know more serious parts as well um throughout so maybe they'll stay more focused this time i mean not only that but i think this is only getting uh 12 episodes yeah 13 episodes one core so i don't think they can afford to get that serious anyway right right yeah it's i mean which brings us to the like cg stuff yeah so because this is a serious episode with quote-unquote serious action right i feel like most of it in their combat gear which means it's CG yeah. model. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there are parts of this episode that just really stick out because of not how good they look, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, you have the part where they are they spend a lot of this episode in their CG combat gear. And yes, Sunrise's CG has gotten better since the Tiger and Bunny days, but because it's CG people instead of CG power armor, it sticks out a lot more. There are just little tiny scenes, little tiny movements that when they, or how, how I put it this way, there are, there are shots in this episode that hold just a little too long on the CG models and basically just make it really obvious, A, that they're CG, but B, how much they don't quite look as good as the hand-drawn stuff. Yeah, yeah like, when it, if it's, if it holds on a still of a, a 2D still for like a certain amount of time, you you don't notice because it's 2D still, whatever. But like when that same still is the 3D models, it just doesn't look right. Yeah, like there's a scene where like we all watch anime. We all know that there are cost cutting measures. You know, we all know about the the panning still montage, right? Like when you just have like four or five shots in a row that are just still shots that are panning with voiceover and we all kind of 
understand what it's trying to communicate, right? The passing of time, the passing of a repetitive, predictable action that doesn't necessarily need to be animated for us to understand. This episode of Double Decker does that, but they're painting stills of CG, and it looks really awful. And it doesn't seem necessary either. Like, there'll be some times where it's just, yeah, like you said, for a couple seconds, and why couldn't they have just drawn a 2D model there? It's not like it's doing a lot of complicated right. movements. Again, this is why it leads maybe some evidence to my theory that Double Decker is very much intended to be Sunrise's test bed for their future CG works. Yeah. Uh, essentially serving as a place for them to kind of get a a better handle for how and where and when to use CG mm. in anime. Because here's the thing, I, I don't love it, but CG is becoming increasingly common in anime. It has been for years now. And in some cases, as we'll talk about with our next show, it is getting better. It is being <laughs> used better. Uh, uh, animators are slowly beginning to utilize its strengths while minimizing its weaknesses. Yep. And it is a thing that I think will take time. It will take multiple tries. It will take multiple failures. Uh, a part of me wonders why when Majestic Prince already perfected it, but... <laughs> Those you know, robots, though. Yes, so I mean that's the thing, right? I think they're trying to get into people more as a, you know, just to see if it can be done. And I don't know the the prognosis. I feel like with Double Decker is you're getting closer, but you're not quite there yet. Right, right. All right. Yeah, but the writing and stuff is still very fun. Yes, totally, one, totally. One last thing before we head off: Did they kill off Dan Aykroyd? In this episode, <laughs> like I'm just looking at this name, and I'm like, I've never seen any other name spelled like that. <laughs> oh, A. Croyd. I mean, oh, oh, well, A was the name of the the head of the leader of Esperanza. Right? Uh, a. Croyd, as in, um, fucking, I already forget the name of the, the, the bad guy. You know, Z or whatever killed A, right? Yeah. So a. Croyd. Though, yes. Also, I was, I, I had, I was thinking, oh, are they gonna like show a? A picture of a and it's just gonna be fucking dan Aykroyd, but <laughs> that would have been a great bit alas they did not they did not give us blood blockade battlefront they might have done that yeah bbb would have totally done that <laughs> mm-hmm. all right would have had like black bars over his eyes or something <laughs> but... all right all right so well. we'll probably have more uh like i said we only had the one episode this week by the time we loop back around again we'll probably have more episodes to cover on that but uh all right Let's move along to uh, the show that we literally watched minutes before the podcast, um, and that is Gridman. Um, we had episode... Please, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, Gridman. S-S-S-S, Gridman. I'm sorry for not paying proper respects to the show, but... <laughs> Look, man, SSSS Gridman is not only a send up to the original Gridman, but also the thing that Eero just said that I can never remember the full title of. That's way right. too long. It is. Same as Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> you know, Grid- Gridman would have just been the old Toku show. This is SSSSS Gridman. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, so we had uh, another two solid episodes. Yeah, yeah, this show's real, um, real good. The uh, I feel like both of these are start kind of really getting into some of the, the actual like themes and messages of the show. But, um, you know, in episode three, 
uh, we had, uh, you know, it's the title defeat. And as the title implies, uh, you know, Gridman kind of has his first bit of a setback here. Um, temporary as it is. And we're introduced to uh, <laughs> some more of the uh, the cast, some of uh, Samurai Caliber's friends. Um, yes, the Neon Genesis Junior High students <laughs> who really don't look like students anymore, but... No, it's bugs yeah. that girl. <laughs> I'm uh, fairly confident they're not actually in junior high, but uh, that's. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, man. You know, when when is the when did we have this discussion? Couple couple episodes ago, was it with uh, Chio and Ando looking like he's forty but being twenty or something? But <laughs> uh, anyway, um, yeah, I thought I thought it was a pretty solid episode. Um, like we said, we kind of met this this kind of fun cast of characters, and uh, it starts to introduce the. Uh, this kind of theme of I don't know if we know enough to sum it up in, in a few words, but how you know, like youth interacts with each other and yeah, communication in, in their in relationship with technology. Um, right. And, yeah. You know how we're, we're kind of all sort of, you know, I don't know if they're going to go this route specifically, but being, you know, kind of disconnected and isolated when we don't really need to be, um, you can just pick up the phone and call somebody if you want to know how they're doing, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. right. Yeah. It's like, I... there's the whole thing of when somebody was killed by a kaiju, they stay dead even after the reset, right? So, yes. Rika is afraid to call Tibiki because, you know, she doesn't want to know if he's dead. Like, you know, she's afraid to yeah, find out if he's I... dead or not. I really liked episode three. I think it's my favorite of the four we watched so far. And I think a lot of that is that it moves in these kind of simple but very effective strokes. You know, mm-hmm. the the essential message is, yeah, it's, it's about communication and about how, how, you know, how both difficult and simple communication is for a variety of factors, felt- but also how technology can connect us in ways that we could have never imagined decades ago. I really, I really like the one line from Max where he says, yeah. like, do you usually ask strangers how your friends are doing? Yes, right. yes. It's a, it's a fantastic line that, like, again, I think I think the show works really well because the things it's communicating are not that high level. It's not that deep or nuanced, but it communicates them so effectively through both its visual storytelling and its dialogue in ways that don't feel pandering or, you know, on right. the nose, you know, to to briefly compare, like, for example, to bring it up again, the last episode of Fully Cooly Alternative to Gridman, like, the final episode of Fully Cooly Alternative literally has one of the characters explain the theme of the entire show. Yeah. Like, he literally, like, basically walks up to the camera and is like, you know, girl, life is et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. Uh. And I'm like, wow, you really did that, huh? That makes me furious because the right. original it's... the original Fully Cooly was like the exact opposite. Like, right. we're it's... not telling you anything. It's, <laughs> it's definitely to... like, it, yeah, it's just, it's very disappointing. Anyways, let's not get into it. We don't. <laughs> right. Point is, point <laughs> is, Gridman <laughs> is, Gridman is doing, Gridman doesn't do this well. Like, they're, they're not yeah. ex- over explaining. They're really not, not, it's, you're all taking it out of context and the character's actions. Yeah. And, yeah like, like mm-hmm. Max doesn't need to just walk up to Utah or uh, walk up to Rika and be like, you know, girl, communication is important between friends. No, he just <laughs> says a line, and like you, the viewer, understand the immediate intent of it. 
and right. what is trying to be communicated in this episode. And it has been so well established because of not only that, but because of once again, that shows kind of magnificent shot composition that maybe more than anything else, maybe even more than the action actually speaks to me that this is a trigger show is just <laughs> their masterful handling of, of shot composition and the way, you know, scenes are arrayed in ways that immediately both read, but also look very striking. Yeah. Yep. And the action's cool too. I mean, mm-hmm. holy fucking shit. Like that fucking transformation in the episode three, when he gets the truck arms and like, he does <laughs> yes. that fucking like rocket powered overhead punch. Right. That transition like, into a suplex. A suplex. Yeah. Oh my God. Mm. It's like, let's talk about fucking CG used well. Right. Right. Oh Yeah. That, like, you know, again, I'm not the biggest lover of CG, especially in Mecha, but I think shots like that can use it for are a good in- argument. Use it for increased dynamism. Yeah, like, it leads into CG strengths. It does things that 2D, you know, can do, but is a lot more resource-intensive and a lot more time-consuming. And it shows that the guys that are working on that show really understand the tools they're working with, and they understand the strengths of them, because... The CG shows up where it's necessary and where it can be used well, like that shot. That they're like here's the thing: I, they're also unafraid to just constantly swap between two D and three D. Yeah, and they get they they. It's that like feeling that they know that the viewer is not gonna be pulled out of it. They know that the viewer will accept it in the same way that like even in traditional two D animation, like even in two D animation before CG, you know when the when you zoomed away from the robot, it was always less detailed. And then as soon as you zoomed in, it turned into that fucking hella good-ass Obari shot with, like, all the, like, rim lighting and, like, scratches on the robot that you don't see 99% of the time. They're basically using CG for the same kind of thing of, you know, when we're zoomed out, when we're doing these dynamic shots, we're going to use CG because we can make it look cool, we can make it look good, we understand its strengths. And then when we need to, like, get a real close zoom-in punch or a badass sword or a transformation sequence, we go back to the 2D because we know that's, that's where it shines. Do we think there's going to be like a kind of a reference in every one of the attack moves? Because you can see kind of, you know, the classic sword pose. I don't know if I mean I assume I mean, that they've all been references so far. I believe. Yeah, uh, my my understanding. I think the sword was from like Mike Gein. Uh, yes, I'm about eighty percent sure the fist beam was the Gaugai Gar. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, like the way the frontal shot like of the hands like brings his hands together. Yeah, yeah it's very. Um, Obviously, Inazuma kick this week. Right, Rider kick. Yeah, Inazuma kick. Yeah. Uh, yep. Should we uh, talk about episode four? I guess. <laughs> yeah. Episode four also <laughs> good. Well. Sorry, yeah, I, episode, I feel like episode bad, four but... was less good than three, which is not. I think not damning in any way. Like, yeah. it's still good. Well, I think four is that situation where episodes one through three are the honeymoon period, right? Yes, it's where they moving, bust out the coolest the, moves, the flashiest stuff. Yeah. Like four has to bear the burden of. Now we move into the middle of the show, where right. it spins its wheels for a while. Right. But uh, still some really good moments. I, I think this episode, I think episode four works really well at kind of letting more and more of Akane's, like, I don't even know what to call, you know, I don't want to just say her damage, but her... Uh, like psychosis? Her, uh, her mental state leak into, you know, the rest of the world. There, There's that excellently timed conversation at the very start between her and Rika on the bus <laughs> that I think is magnificent on a minor scale and like that kind of subtle way that 
their dialogue is timed, the way that Akane is basically like, bitch, did I stutter? I asked you a question. <laughs> is right. it almost, really good. Like, I know. Uh, you don't get that kind of direct dialogue in Japanese very often. Yeah. I know it might be a bit of a stretch to say this, but like, including the communication aspect, like, the way she interacts is, like, almost autistic. You know, like, she, she doesn't like contact. I... She, yeah, she, like, expects people to answer her questions immediately. She doesn't really get social cues for the most part. I, I could definitely see them maybe hinting at that as an angle. I don't know if they would ever make it explicit, but I definitely think, you know... I don't know. Like, I don't think you have to be autistic to, you know, be a person who has issues communicating with others That's or true. having issues like with, you know, physical contact. So like greater than you know, that. I got friends who definitely like, you know, don't like, you know, close intimate contact. And, you know, that's just how they are. But uh, right. I think it does definitely get to her like weird disconnect with the world. Right. Like she I mean, you know, we see it with, you know, when she gets like bumped into by a. Uh, you know, those college guys at the mixer or whatever, like she immediately bails, right? Like the way she immediately like turns tail, like there's that combination of like incredulity of like, how dare you touch me? And Oh God, he touched me Mm -hmm. that, you know, like then there's that scene of her like mashing the, the elevator button, like just again, I think the show again, works very well with its visual storytelling. Like we don't need, I think the fantastic thing is because Akane is so isolated because her only other like confidant is Chief Overjustice. You know, fucking Chief Overjustice. <laughs> like which is still can I just Okay, uh, not to go back to episode three too much, but there's just that one fucking shot of like Akane like smiling next to the monitor with Alexis on it. <laughs> like it's just and they're like and you know she's like ha ha we killed we killed Gridman and, and Alexa's like ha 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 yes we did and that fucking Inferno Cop ass voice that just fucking cracked me up so hard oh yeah uh, like but anyways but I think this thing is because we don't have like because nobody knows Akane nobody can speak to her behavior and as a result you can't just have a character that goes well didn't you know that in middle school Akane blah 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 right like you can't you don't you don't have any of that because you can't have any of that. Yeah. So instead, instead just like really good character animation and yeah. visual storytelling. Like you have to just read into her, into her behavior as a viewer, you know, instead of having it explained to you. And I think those are kind of the moments that shine in this episode when the rest of it is kind of just bog standard, you know, the monster shows up. Well, we do have, um, grid band's got to fight we it. We do have, uh, <laughs> You know, coming back to the communication theme, we we kind of bring up Yuta's little crush on uh, Rika, oh, yeah. Yeah. including my personal favorite part, uh, supportive Gridman, um, offering to <laughs> yes, uh, yes. offering to help in the in the, uh, help in, any way I can. in the ways of love. Yeah, yeah, Gridman, Gridman is my yeah, dad. Um, you know, moment. So you know that was pretty great. But again, you know the uh, we had uh, was it Max the the mask guy handing out some more. You know, one-liner advice, and you know, getting you to to try to be honest with his feelings and just communicate um, with with Rika, and so that's continuing to to build on that theme a little bit. I mean, I can I can definitely appreciate. uh, Sorry, yeah, I mean, it's not the most like interesting or you know unpredictable development for sure. I mean, we probably all saw that coming at some point, but uh, you know, it, it continues to build on the theme in 
ways that aren't just like explaining it, but you know, showing and not telling. Yeah. So good. Or I think it's like it's him, it's uh, using Bitcoin. the themes. <laughs> Let him go back. I think. I think it's using the themes of communication in ways that apply to, you know, I mean, fairly realistic character interactions, you know, right. like who here hasn't gotten a phone call that they, they, you know, hung up on and then thought to themselves, shit, I really should have answered. Right. That. Exactly. You know, who hasn't like tried to be honest with somebody about, you know, something and, you know, the circumstances just prevented you from, you know, being upfront about it. It's. And yes, I think, you know, again, I can kind of appreciate, like, there's a weird part of me that appreciates that Max is the one that keeps giving this advice. <laughs> like, this motherfucker wearing this inferno, like, this Ninja Slayer ass fucking face mask that right. he, he can mysteriously eat through <laughs> is yep. uh, pretty good. It's like, it, it feels, I think, you know, you said it the best, I think, where you said this is a show that is unlike anything else Trigger has made, but it is also a show that only Trigger could have made. <laughs> right. Like, like, you know, when you think about Trigger stuff, you don't think about, like, understated character, like, interactions or, like, quiet moments, but also, like, but they're doing that really well. But also, like, the shit, like, everyone being based off a Transformer or <laughs> Max, like, eating through his face mask... Right, like, the the fact that, like, I joked about this earlier in the episode, and the fact that it eventually they, they made good on the bit made me extremely happy. Uh, the uh, the shot of Max with the bite taken out of the toast, but <laughs> no indication to how it happened, and, like, none of the characters <laughs> responding to it, like, there's no indication. Yeah, like, the mask is making a chewing motion, too. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's it's those like dumb little bits that also remind you that oh okay this is still also a trigger show in like those good fun yeah, yeah. little ways. All right, um, I like it a lot. I think it might be yeah. the best show of the season. Oh, for uh, sure. so far, I'm you know shit. I'm very curious where it goes because the 2018 is already such a competitive year. Yeah, and it's real rough. I was. You know, I was ready to kind of like, you know, prepare to like think about Gridman in that way, but I wasn't actually re ready to commit to the idea of like, oh, uh oh, what if Gridman is actually a contender for anime of the year? But it's it's going in a strong enough direction. Do that, you think um, yeah, you guys have, you can keep it up? Do like you think this. you guys haven't even watched Lion? <laughs> oh well, yes. We'll, we'll save the the end of year discussions for later. But um, <laughs> do you think? I know in the first two episodes. I very much got the impression that something weird was going to be going on in the background here. And like, at some point we were going to pull back the curtain. I don't necessarily feel that as strongly after episode three and four, but do you think they're going to pull some kind of twist here or, or is it pretty, you think we're just going to ride this out as is? I think they might still think, be in the matrix. I think something's coming. I think something is coming. I don't know when, I don't know when they'll reveal it, but yeah. It just—it's just—it's because of the core conceit of the whole like when they die they're erased from reality thing. It's just so stark of a narrative element of the show that I feel like that has to come to a head eventually. Like it—it it seems too normal to just be like, oh, they died and that's it. Like something weird has to be happening there, mm -hmm. at least for me to to uh, to appreciate what they're doing with it as a narrative device. I always point to, um, what's her name, Akane, how she's like, 
appears to be some kind of, you know, toku nerd or whatever, and she builds the kaiju models to make the monsters, like, is that going to you know, is that going to turn to some fourth wall breaking thing? Like, is like, are we, is there going to be a live action segment at some point, some weird, bizarre thing uh, like that? Oh, oh man. I don't know if that would happen, <laughs> but I'm just going to say, if it does, you heard it here first. Um, you know, that would be a thing trigger would do. I'd you, see. Yeah. Where it's like, they go to like, like, you know, to, to Iroh's point where they're, you know, in the matrix, so to speak. And, you know, we go in the real world and we, we see some, you know, real live action Toku stuff at some point i um hmm. that would be interesting <laughs> yeah yeah that's uh, i would agree uh i i had not considered that they would they might try to do that as a bit but i mean there's a lot of would. there's a lot of uh references and paying homage in this that I, ha- I wonder if they would take it to the next level in that regard i don't know just throwing out some crazy ideas but I mean, if any show is worthy of crazy, weird conspiracy theories, it's, it's definitely Gridman. Are, are, are we going to get that Transformers crossover? Um, you know. <laughs> I mean, every already it's already happening. Yeah, everyone's a Transformer. So, yeah, is it, yeah, is this all a, a simulation in the Transformers universe? Who knows? But um, uh, yeah, show's good though. Um, even show's good. Even if you take all the weird conspiracy, th- even if it just even if it just stayed course, I think it would still be. Um, a good show, if only on the strength of its, you know, presentation and storytelling, and, and it's fun. Yeah. So I do want to highlight that yeah. the, the writer is like good. <laughs> the person <laughs> writing the scripts uh, has worked on a lot of Toku and also uh, Gloria Favor, Rage of Bahama Genesis. Uh, they got the right. I didn't realize that. Right person for the job. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. That will uh, just about do it then for this week's episode. And we're finishing up right on time. So uh, <laughs> let's uh, just do some of our usual housekeeping. You can uh, read everything we write at theglorioblog.com. Uh, like I said, I would say if you haven't seen it, go check out my post on the changes of what our midseason coverage is going to be like. Uh, we do have, um, we just do, still do have ongoing coverage, our, our normal Toku coverage of. Uh, common writer and um uh i know chris has been doing ultraman and uh you got i think zig and g you guys are actually doing posts for gridman correct we are yes yeah we are doing weekly coverage for it or trying to anyways you know well we will see how our schedules turn out but we would like to keep covering this show as long as we're able to right so uh, stay tuned for that, everybody. Or you can go check out. I, I know you guys did get a post or two out already, so you can go check that out. And um, you can follow us on Twitter at the Glorio blog. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We are now on yeah. Podbean. And uh, Something, yeah. I am going to keep chipping away at getting us on other services. Uh, you can also find yeah. us on YouTube. I do not have a nice URL for, for everybody because we need more <laughs> subscribers. So please... Uh, like, comment, subscribe on videos. Um, I'm missing anything else. Should I uh, plug our other podcast? Yes. Yeah, yeah, go go ahead, guys. Briefly. Shout out to uh, Legend of the Glorio Heroes. Yes, yeah. our sister podcast that airs in the same feed. <laughs> you know, uh, we are uh, we are we are getting into some interesting stuff in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, oh, and um, uh, yeah. I would say. 
keep an ear out for uh, upcoming news on new developments for the podcast. We, uh, we're working on something special for the end of the first season. Yeah. So uh, look forward surprise to it. Tw- a surprise twist worthy of uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes. Yes. Indeed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So that'll do it. Thanks, guys, for being on. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. And we will catch you next time. Later.